So we're holding, we're holding on, um, we always have the issue of the page numbers of the Sidurim. I see there's a pile of Sidurim here in the middle if anybody wants. Um, in my Siddur, it's on page number 30. We're holding by Hashem Melech, Hashem Melech. Um, again, if you're, that should be the same page number, page 30, I believe. Okay. In other, in other words, we've, um, in the recent weeks, in the recent weeks, we've done the Hoidu, which is how we start our davening, the formal davening, we start with Hoidu and Shul. Um, and last week, we also did the Mizmer Shir Hanukas Habayis Ladavid, which is the second paragraph, really, of davening. Um, and that's what we went through last week at length, the idea of that chapter of Tehillim, which is what David HaMelech wrote um, for the Hanukkah Sabayis, the um, consecration of the Beis HaMikdosh. And that brings us to really the third paragraph, I guess, of davening, of the formal davening, Hashem Melech, Hashem Malach, Hashem Yimloich La'ilam Vod. Right? Again, do we have that? Is anyone still looking for it? Yes. You're good? That's not, that will not be in the same page. Again, you have the Hoidu. Do you want me to show it to you? Yeah, the Hoidu, you have the. Yeah, well, you're right here. Hashem Melech. Bold letters right in there. Thank you. Okay? A lot of times we think we don't know where we are and we're really right there. Happens, happens all the time. Happens all the time. Okay, so this is an interesting, it's like a statement, and this is really all in this section before the Baruch Sha'amah. Um, just so that you should know, when we say these lines, we stand up. Right? Hashem Melech, at this point, will stand up. Um, and interestingly, the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Rebbe writes, that wherever you are in Davin, if you hear the minion or then saying the Hashem Melech, you just stand up. Out of deference for the importance of these two lines. There are two lines and you sort of say it quickly, but it says the, um, halachically and more, more so Kabbalistically, they have, they have tremendous um, power. And we stand when we say them. The reason we stand when we say them is because, and this comes straight out of the Medrashim, it says that in the morning we know the Malachim start saying Shira, the Malachim say Shira, and they start with this, with Hashem Melech. And the Medrash says, and it's hard for us to picture this, but the Malach stands up in the middle of the sky and starts saying Hashem Melech, and all of the Malachim join. And Malachim stand. And that's why we stand when we say this paragraph. Being that this is the beginning of the Shira of the Malachim, um, and therefore we stand when we say Hashem Melech, Hashem Melech. Okay, what does it actually mean? Those words, Hashem Melech, Hashem Malach, Hashem Yimloch, it's not a tongue twister, and it's not just poetry. Rather, Melech is present, Hashem is king, Malach is past, he was king, and Yimloch is he will be king. It's Well, the word Hashem is Yudke Vavke. I know, but I'm saying it's past, present, and future. Right, very well, correct, correct. Yudke Vavke also stands for past, present, and future, and that's correct. So we start off by saying Hashem is presently the king, Hashem was the king, and Hashem will be the king forever. Interestingly, we start with the present, and then we talk about the past, and then we talk about the future, which means we're not going in any chronological order of events. We don't say past, present, future. 
we say present, past, future. And the reason for that is because present is always the most important. Right? Always the most important is where do I stand now? Right now Hashem is my king and right now I, um, I accept Hashem as my king. That's always number one. But we, we know as Yidin that our present is so much dependent on the past and we're always looking forward to the future. That's a general concept in Yiddishkeit that we're present, we're always in the present, and yet we're always looking back to see where we come from and what our foundation is, and we're always looking forward to see where we're headed and what the goal is. You know, Pesach, we're just, uh, we're coming from Pesach, and on the first night of Pesach, or really the whole Yom Tov of Pesach, we're celebrating Yitzias Mitzrayim, we're remembering where we come from, and throughout our davening and throughout our day, we're always Zecher, Yitzias Mitzrayim, Zecher, we remember Yitzias Mitzrayim, we remember Matan Torah, we remember our ancestors, we remember the Ovis, we remember the Imois, because we're very, we understand that we're very much based on what was. And we're always thinking ahead of what will be. And that's why in the beginning of the Pesach, we're devoted to Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, and in the end of Pesach to Mashiach. So we're here, we're looking back where we're coming from, and we're looking forward. And the same is when we're talking about that Hashem is our King, we talk about all those three things. We talk about where we stand, we talk about where we were, and we talk about where we will be. On a deeper level, there's another idea here as well. One of, perhaps one of the most common problems that most people, present company excluded, of course, uh, suffer from, deal with, is that we're very time-bound, meaning now I'm inspired, so everything is wonderful. But when I finish davening or I finish learning and I'm back home or I'm back there, then I'm not inspired. And the biggest difficulty is that bridge from the times when I'm not inspired to the times when I am inspired, right? Because again, this is, you know, who doesn't know about this? That sometimes I'm so inspired to be better and be stronger and be whatever. And then a day later or a week later or five minutes later, it's gone. And now it's like that never existed. There's, there's a beautiful idea, a beautiful idea in this that I want to share. It says, the Pasuk says, Moshe uh, Rabbeinu is called Ishoelikim, the godly man, or a man of God. Um, that's both in the Torah, in Bezei Sabracha. It says, Bezei Sabracha, Shabbarach Moshe Ishoelikim. So Moshe is called the, the man of God. And in Tehillim, we say, Tefillah LeMoshe Ishoelikim, right? Chapter 90 in Tehillim. So what does it mean? Ishoelikim, the godly man. What does that mean? What's a godly man? And there's different ideas that it says about that. There's an interesting medrash that says the following. It says that ish. When he ascended heavenward and he was amongst the angels, then he was seen as a man. Because in the presence of angels, he was the human one. Kishayarad, when he came back down and he was amongst people, Elikim, he was godly. So really, it was dependent on where he was. When he was amongst angels, everyone said, that's the man. When he was among men, they said, that's an angel. See, he was up along with the angels? I yeah. I was just speaking with Hashem. Well, that's where the angels live. I know, but I didn't know they were hanging out. Okay, so I don't know who was hanging out with whom. But, but, he was in a, <laughs> but he was in a place that's typically not a place for human beings. Yeah. Okay. Right? Okay, it's the spiritual realms. You're imagine what the Russians say when they come here. What? In Russia, I was... 
Jew, and here I'm a Russian. Right, right. So, so, so many times, who we are and what we're associated, what we're called, <laughs> it depends who we're hanging around, right? Sometimes a person says, you know, you know, over there, over there, I, you know, the f- funny story is of uh, a shliach who came to 770 for the So, in his shul, he was the, he's the Balkari. You know, he reads the Torah. You know. He came to 770 and he said, okay, you know, who knows how to lane? He says, me. He does it every day. Starts laning every line, 10 corrections, 10 corrections. He says, at home, I'm a professional. You know, what's going on? You know, in my show, I can lane, no one says anything. I come here, suddenly it's not so simple, right? So where you are determines what you're called. So that's what the Medrash says. That's Ish Elohim. In heaven, he's considered Ish, and on earth, he's considered Elohim, he's considered Godly. But Hasidus has a different angle on that, and a very powerful angle. It says the following. In, when a person davens, and when a person, we say when Moshe is in heaven, when are we all in heaven, so to speak? When we're at our best, our most spiritual moment, which could be davening, should be davening, right? <laughs> so it says like this. What happens sometimes is when we daven, and we're, or whatever, davening, or learning, or in a play, or whatever it is, a time or place of inspiration, is we're so inspired that we forget about what we looked like an hour ago. We forget about sometimes the way we really are in our non-inspired state. So we sort of divorce ourselves from that state, and now everything is spiritual and lovely and beautiful. If when I daven, I forget about the rest of the day, then you can be sure that when I'm back at the rest of the day, my davening will have no effect on me. Because I create that it's two separate worlds. There's the regular me and there's the davening me. There's the weekday me and there's the Shabbos me. There's the regular me and there's the holy me. Then there's a divide and one doesn't affect the other. However, when, while I'm davening, I, I, I don't divorce myself from my reality. I remember my reality. And I'm trying to become better or changed with my reality in mind, or with my midas, I remember the negative sides of me while I'm inspired. Then, even when I'm finished davening, there's a bridge, because one side didn't forget about the other. So here the Rebbe, it's really, I think it was the Friedrich Rebbe who says this, he says, now we'll understand a deeper meaning to that medrash. Moshe kisha'ala lemaraim ish. When he went up to heaven, he remembered I'm a man. I'm just, I'm just a man. Although now I'm in heaven, he didn't forget that he's really an ish. And ish, by the way, in the different words that describe a human, ish is not the highest. Right? There's adam, ish, enosh, gever. Adam is the highest. When, when we want to describe a person in their highest form, that's adam. Ish is a lower form. Ish is midas. Ish is midas that have to be dealt with, controlled, tempered. So, when one goes heavenward and they remember their midas, they remember the parts that have to be dealt with, then even when we come back down, then we're able to take the spirituality of the davening and help that correct us and help us be better people. So is this sort of dissuading us from going into that like, yes, yes. In other words, it's saying, even when we're at our high points, so to speak, to remember who we are the rest of the day also. 
And not to have, and again, all too often, we create this divide. Like, now I'm in shul, and now I'm davening, and everything is peaches, and it's rosy, and it's beautiful, and, and it's, it's holy and spiritual. And I forget that an hour ago I dealt with A, and B, and C, and yesterday, and so far it becomes, it becomes two realities, a total divide. So when there's two realities, one reality doesn't affect the other. But when I'm in the, my spiritual mode, so to speak, I very much remember where I was the rest of the time. And I'm trying with this spirituality to help direct myself. So then when I come back, I'm able to carry that over with me. And that's part of the idea of saying, Hashem Melech, Hashem Molech, Hashem Yimlech. Never to think just about right now. Right now is beautiful, I'm davening, it's great. Hashem was the Melech also yesterday when I wasn't davening. Hashem will be the Melech tomorrow when I'm finished davening, when I'm going into the next step of life. And only then does one part affect the other. When I, when I remember all parts wherever I am. But even, even, even on Shabbos, even Shabbos is not meant to remain just one day of holiness in a vacuum. Right? The, the Isaiah says, the Rebbe would always talk about Shabbos blesses all the day of the coming year, a week. Shabbos is the mucker of the bracha, and Shabbos also is really an extension of the week past. If I prepared properly, Shabbos will be all the greater. If Shabbos is special, the next week should be greater. So Shabbos is not, not meant to be, really no state of holiness is meant to be on its own. It's supposed to be reflective of what was and preparing for what will be. That's the Hashem Melech, that's right now, but Hashem Melech was. Hashem Melech. Hashem is at all times together. Hashem is not only here, not only there. One more idea about these three steps of Hashem Melech, Hashem Melech, Hashem Yimlech. So Hashem is, Hashem was, and Hashem will be. So there is, is today, was yesterday, and will be tomorrow. On a bigger scale, when you say Hashem is king, that's this period of time in general. This period of time is what we call the 6,000 years that the world is running. The world basically is a world of 6,000 years. Before is before creation. Hashem was king before creation as well. As we said earlier in Davening, Adon Olam Asher Malach B'Terem Kol Yisur Nivra, Hashem was the king before creation. And then there is Hashem will be king, when are we talking about? After Mashiach comes. So really, past, present, and future really is Hashem, again, Hashem Melech, Hashem is the king of creation of the world as we know it. Hashem is the king that was before creation, and Hashem is the king that will be after the world as we know it. The world of Mashiach, the world of Tchias HaMesim, where things will be very different. What are these three different eras, so to speak, in Hashem's kingdom? Hashem's kingdom of the world as we know it, Hashem's kingdom before creation, Hashem's kingdom after creation. So, <coughs> one of the explanations <coughs> is as follows. When we talk about a king, and, and Hasidus talks a lot about Malchus and Hashem's kingdom, and we know that really, really this entire world exists through Hashem's kingdom. We say in Ashrei, Malchuscha Malchus Kol Ha'olamim, that it's really Hashem's kingdom that creates this world. Um, interestingly, when it comes to um, kingdom, a, king, a king's kingdom is very much dependent on the nation that the king has. If there's no nation, there's not really a king. True or false? You can be great, you can be wonderful, but there's no one to be a king on. And that's why we have a, a quote, 
Ein Melech below Am. There's no king without a kingdom. You can be kind without having someone to be kind to. You can be severe without having someone to be severe to, but you can't really be a king without anyone. It's an interdependent. It's an interdependent reality. If I have a nation, I could be their king. If I don't have a nation, I could be really great, but you're not going to call me really a king. Although, really, does the nation make the king who he is? No, the king is really awesome and great before the nation. But the king's involvement with the nation is what makes him the king of that nation. So let's think about that a minute. We said in Adon Olam, Adon Olam, you are the master of the world, Asher Molach, who were a king, Beterem kol Yisur Nivra, before anything was created. So Hashem was a king without a nation, or without a world even. That's what Adon Olam says. So there was a part of Hashem's kingdom that was just his awesomeness. Because Adon doesn't necessarily mean a king, it means the Lord of. Adon Olam Asher Malach. But we use the word Malach. He ruled. He ruled. Beterem kol Yisur Nivra, before he created anything. <laughs> He was a total entity, so it didn't have to do anything. True. We're not saying he had to do. But still, we're calling him the ultimate ruler before there is anything. And then we say he created a world and was able to actually rule. He was able to get involved with people and animals and trees and create a world and rule over this world. So there's really two parts to Hashem's kingdom. There's Hashem's kingdom, just his glorious self, which doesn't need the world. That's what Adon Olam said. Hashem is a melech before anything. He doesn't need anyone or anything. He is essentially a melech. And then there is, when that melech says, okay, let's have people. Let's have a kingdom. Let's have a nation. And he sort of, you know, gets down in his hands and knees and or whatever and says, okay, let's, let's create people and animals and trees and water. And now we'll have a nation to rule over as well. So if you think about it, the king functions, or especially Hashem, there's Hashem the way He is, before creation, before anything, before anyone. It's His awesomeness, so to speak. And then you have Hashem who says, you know what? It's not about me. It's about I want to be a king over you, 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 and you, and you. Follow? That's the Hashem that was and the Hashem that is. I don't get it. Okay. I don't get the without the nation. <laughs> Could you compare it to like, could you say it about a teacher? Are you a teacher if you have no students? Okay. You're just someone with knowledge. You know what? Let's talk. Let, let's bring it down a couple steps. You have a great Sadiq, tremendously great Sadiq. And he's hidden by himself in a, in a house and he learns and dabbins and serves Hashem and performs Nisim or whatever. Sadiq Nister? Sadiq Nister, maybe, or even if people know about him, but he doesn't relate to anyone. Sadiq compels. Okay, call it, call it what you will. And then one day, that Sadiq becomes a Rebbe over people and connects them and teaches them, guides them, and they come to him and so on and so forth. Right? Um, now's not time to get into Hasidic history, but this happened many times where you had a Tzadik and the Tzadik didn't want to be a Tzadik over or for people. He wanted, leave me alone. Let me serve Hashem and learn and die. Who's a good example for that? Well, let's start with Moshe Rabbeinu, who's doing great, the greatest tzaddik ever. 
And Hashem says, come, lead my nation, take care. And he's arguing. I mean, we'll understand. But he's arguing with Hashem. I don't want it. I'm not the right person. I'm not the right this. And then he became the greatest leader of all time. He was also very humble. Also, not as much as he wanted to not do it. Also, didn't feel he was worthy. Okay. I'm not, I'm not getting into why he did. But the fact is, Moshe was this tremendous tzaddik before he was involved with the people. And then he became the people's tzaddik. Fast forward a couple thousand years to our generation, and the same story happened with the Rebbe. Right? Again, I wasn't there, but in 1950, the previous Rebbe passed away, and then the Chassidim wanted the Rebbe to be Rebbe, and it was like a whole year of back and forth, and there's books written on it, and the Rebbe didn't want, didn't want. Why? I don't know. No one asked my opinion. And, but the Rebbe didn't want. And then something happened, and the Rebbe said, okay, and suddenly he was devoted 100% to Chassidim and to Klal Yisrael and to everything, with every fiber of his being. So was he not a great holy tzaddik Rebbe before he accepted to be the Rebbe? Of course he was. And yet there was when he was for himself, his greatness and, and holiness and study and mitzvahs and everything. And one day he willed it, Hashem willed it, whatever it was. And all of that became the people's Rebbe. And suddenly his whole greatness was involved in guiding and teaching and inspiring people and helping people. So that great entity that existed, so to speak, on its own, unrelated, unconnected with others initially, then became the people's Rebbe, the people's leader. And the same is with Hashem. Hashem, Adon Olam, Asher Malach, Baterim Kol Zura. He was great, he was awesome, he was wonderful, greater than we can ever imagine, and there was no world. So then the king doesn't have to have an Right, not as we know. No, we wouldn't typically call that a king. We would call that a great person on his own. Right, because you're saying tzaddik comes to rabbi. Exactly, you cha so we change the name. Give it a different name. Right, if you give it a different name. But essentially, in the greatness of the person, it's not like because he became greater, that's why he connected to the people. There was potential. It was that there same there entity. There was the potential there all along. There was the potential. Yeah. Not everybody True. has the potential. Well, no, for sure not. Very specific name, it's a very specific thing. So you can't just be a like women have malchus, women are malchus, because we are. Doesn't mean we have to have a nation, but or I mean like Melech is a certain specific. There's a specific chashivus to it, an attribute to it. That's correct. Okay, That's correct. So, so a Melech doesn't have to have an eye. I only feel like Hashem wouldn't have to have, have an eye. You know what? There, there, there's, there's, there is a typical Chazal, in Melech b'loy and that means that Melech, as we know it, is called a Melech because they have an Am. Yeah, after the world is created. At the same time, we say that that Malchus exists within the Melech in an unrevealed way before the Am came around. Okay. Okay? So there's, there's the Melech before the Am, so to speak, and when that Melech is involved with the Am. Now, I just, Wasn't yes. the king over the angels first? Yeah, but that was also after the angels were created. Angels weren't around forever either. When it said Nasa Adam. Okay, so he created angels first and then men. But angels also, or humans, but, but angels also is a creation. So everything existed within Hashem. Yeah, but then they were part of him. They weren't something that he could be over them. That was within him. Okay, now let's go one step further. Which describes the real greatness of the Melch? When the Melech is the Melech of the Am, or when the Melech is by himself before the Am is involved. In other words, in other words like this, 
there's the king getting involved with the people and the needs of person A and person B and person C and person D and teaching and involving. But that's all, so to speak, the king, the way the king is bending down to people. And if the king on their own is exalted, is above, is removed. Right? Totally higher. And then the king says, or, or king decides, or it was decided for him, that instead of being for the king's self and in their own world, they're going to come down to regular people and be involved in them and lead them and so on and so forth. So really, one talks more about the king's own greatness, and one talks more about the king's devotion and dedication. And in effect, the king's making himself smaller for the regular people. Okay? So really, that's Hashem Melech and Hashem Malach. Meaning, Hashem Melech is the way Hashem is the king today, the way we know him. There's me, and there's my family, and there's my needs, and there's Hashem who's the king of my family and my house, and he takes care of me. That's like Hashem, the way Hashem is already contracted, connected, coming down to us. And then there's Hashem Malach, the way he was before creation, where it was just about his greatness. Not the way he came down to creation, not the way he got involved with the regular people and beings and grass and trees and water and so on and so forth. It's Hashem himself, so to speak. So that's the exalted. It's the exalted Hashem, right? So I'm going to ask a funny question that's not going to have a real answer. So which is greater? The exalted Hashem or the Hashem that's my Hashem? Yeah. Okay, you can compare, yes. and they're very different. Yes, you can. You know, they, 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 they deal with two different components. Well, I, think, I think it's my Hashem because he's active. Okay, good. So there and I is. Like there's no, you know, they even, what's his name? Einstein said, either you're moving or, or you know, or you're not. It's a very, very incredible, brilliant teacher, and they can come down off of that and really. Yeah. Speak to a small child. So that shows their specialness and their caring and their devotion. It's also an extension. Really? It, 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 on it the other hand, the other way, I think, I, the other way when it's when you're when it's just exalted, that he that he doesn't he, he doesn't need anything to show that he's with just by himself he's exalted. <laughs> he doesn't need us. We need him. Right. I, I want to say something. <laughs> there is there is. I, I want to share with you a statement that's said in Hasidus many times. There's an important, there's an important quote from Hasidus that I want to share, and it might be obvious, but it's great. And it goes like this: zehu iker which means this is not the essence of God that He creates the worlds. It's not like you know what God is—the creator of the world. God is God without the creation of the world. And in his kindness, and in his greatness, and in his care and dedication, he created the world as well. So really, each one talks about a different angle or aspect of Hashem's greatness. On the one hand, there's, as you said, it's my Hashem. That's the greatness of Hashem. He takes care of me, and my family, and my friends, and my community, and my city, and my country, and their universe, and the next, all the universes, and everything. So it's all about what he does for us. And in a sense, that's the most special part because that's where I fit into the picture. But on the other hand, there is just Hashem for himself. 
Each one has an, um, each one brings out a different angle, so to speak, of Hashem's greatness. One is just the greatness of Hashem, which is in a sense greater than anything, doesn't need anything. And one is how the greatness of Hashem carries out to us, to the world, to creation. Give me one moment. Then there is a time when those two greatnesses come together. When the greatness of Hashem will express itself in the world itself. That's Mashiach. In the time of Mashiach, Hashem's true greatness will be revealed within the world that he created. That's the future of Hashem Yimloich Wa'ilam Vay. That's completion. That's the completion. That brings together both sides of it. Where it will be, the, Hashem himself, so to speak, will be revealed in this world that he created. So again, Hashem Melech, we started with, Hashem is the king today. The king Hashem that we know today is the active Hashem. Is the Hashem that's involved with the world, with creation, with us, and so on. Hashem Malach is Hashem before creation. That's just the greatness of Hashem. No world. Who cares about the world? Let's talk about Hashem himself. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need a world. So again, each one has its specialty. Today, there's a world. Hashem is running the world. That's wonderful. Then we talk about Hashem the way he's beyond the world. Hashem Malach. And then we say that there will come a time that that level of Hashem that's beyond, that's beyond creation will be revealed in this world that we see. And that will be when Mashiach will come, Hashem Yimloich La'ilam Vod, which will bring it all together. That greatness of Hashem will be able to be revealed in the world that he created. And that's the three Hashem Melachs. Is Hashem in creation? Was Hashem beyond creation? Will be that the level of Hashem that's totally beyond creation will be revealed within this world that he created. And that's, the, that's all within those words that Hashem is, was, and will be talking about three different aspects of Hashem's greatness and His revelation in this world. Can you give us some examples of what we can see then when we see the completion of... I don't, I don't want to ruin the element of surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a surprise we have so much anxiety over it, right? <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I'm, I'm not really going to answer that question for a, a lot of reasons. There's a lot of things but, to say. But, I, but I, maybe. But, but let me, you know, when it's, uh, you know, whenever someone doesn't know the answer, he says it's beyond the scope of this lecture. Okay. You know, that's all. It's, it sounds very intelligent. It's beyond the scope of what we're talking right now. Even but, they don't know. Right. Okay. I would think that nature is, is Hashem revealed in this world. When we're able to see Hashem within nature. What does that mean? Right. You know, the word revealed and not revealed. I, I once said by this class, I think, it was not this past summer, but two summers ago. You know, the summers I go to Israel and I teach in a place called Machon Alta, that some of you know of. What? Yeah, you know, right? So, um, so I was teaching a class and I was talking about Hashem concealed in this world. And this woman raises her hand. Says, Rabbi, Hashem is concealed? What are you talking about? What do you mean? Trees, birth, um, you know, sunrise. What do you mean Hashem is concealed? And I'm like, yeah, but, it, but it's concealed. This became very uncomfortable. I'm the rabbi. And I'm like trying to explain to Hashem is concealed. She says, I don't know what you're talking about. Where is Hashem concealed? 
And but finally she sort of said, okay, fine, like have it your way. And then like a week later, I was giving a class, and again it came up the different names of Hashem, and I said Hashem is concealed, and with all in sincerity, concealed. What are you talking about? Same one. <laughs> Same one. She can't. She couldn't get her hand around this. What am I talking about? So concealed and not concealed really is all here, right? It's it's the way we we were able to program ourselves to see to see things and experience things. You know, there, there, you may know, there may be people sitting around this table. There are people that whoever you, whenever you talk to them have two or three hashkacha pratis stories that happened within the last, last 24 hours. <laughs> Always. Like, a nace happened this morning, one last night, and one yesterday. Right? Whenever. Now, well, does that mean that Hashem looks out for these people more than anyone else? Of course not. It's just that they have their eyes open. So, is it concealed or is it revealed? Depends if you have your eyes open or closed. That's what it's about. And the more we train ourselves to see it, the less it's concealed and the more it's revealed. Some people's neshamas are just like, just like out there, like almost automatically for whatever schus they have, and they don't have to work as hard to see it. Some people have to work harder. But, but it's, it's all there. Ultimately, it's all there. But let me say one more idea. There, I mean, connected. I'm not moving on to something else yet. These three statements, Hashem Melech, Hashem Molech, Hashem Yimloch, this is not a pasuk. There isn't one verse somewhere that says Hashem Melech, Hashem Melech, Hashem Yimloch. It's really, there's, there's psukim in Tehillim that say Hashem Melech, and there are times when it says Hashem Melech, and there are times when it says Hashem Yimloch. And this tefillah, which as we said comes from the angels, combined the three statements. Hashem Melech, Hashem Melech, Hashem Yimloch. But the Hashem Yimloch Le'olam Vaed, when was that initially said? Where did that, the, no, there's the future one, the one about Mashiach. When does it say in the Torah, Hashem Yimloch Le'olam Vaed? Three points if anyone gets it. Hashem Yimloch Le'olam Vaed, Hashem will be a king. I'll tell you, it's in the Az Yashir. I'm not sure, I don't, I don't know, we have to, we have to talk to the referee about that. But it, it, in the Az Yashir, it says, right at the end of the Az Yashir, that's how we finish. We say it in Davani before Yishtabah, Hashem Yimloch Le'olam Vaed. When did the Jews say Az Yashir? Of course, when the sea was split. What happened when the sea was split? And the famous idea in Hasidus, what's the whole idea of splitting of a sea? Is revealing that which is normally concealed. Right? The sea represents that which is underwater, which is concealed. And when everything is broken open, then you see it. It's not like it wasn't there. It was all there. But it was just concealed. And that's why, according to, to, to basic Hasidus Kabbalah, the sea always represents what's called in, in Hebrew, Almin de Iskasya, hidden worlds, hidden levels of godliness. That's Aramaic, right? Right, I stand corrected. Right, the word Iskasya is, Kisui is Hebrew, the word Iskasya is Aramaic, correct. So the, the sea is the, is, the, um, is the covered over levels of godliness. In this world, we're dry land people. Like, we live on dry land, we can't live in the sea. Because the dry land represents that which is revealed to us. And the sea represents that which is concealed. The higher spiritual levels. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu, what does the name Moshe mean? She was drawn from the water. Because Moshe is from those places of concealed, you know, from those levels of godliness that are totally concealed. Moshe is from that higher level. So he was, that's why that's his name. You think about it, who named him Moshe? Batya. Batya, the daughter of Pare, and Moshe has other names too. But nevertheless, it's her name that all it means is I drew him from the water. 
like this greatest tzaddik of all time, he's called Adrumah from the water, Mazel Tov. I mean, why is that so important? Because that's really Kabbalistically what he is. His neshama was drawn from inside the water, from those places that are typically totally concealed to mankind. And that's why he was the one who could bring the Torah, which is from Hashem's concealed wisdom, and bring it into this world. Right? So what's Kriyas Yamsuf? When the water is split wide open and we march right through it, suddenly whatever is concealed is revealed. And that's why it says that the, uh, the greatest, it was the, one of the greatest revelations, it was the second greatest revelation of all time. Was, you know, the greatest revelation of all time was Matan Torah. And the second was the splitting of the sea. Right? It says that everyone had Nivuah then. Everyone. It was the ultimate revelation. So that's Mashiach. And that's why then we said, Hashem Yimloich La'ilam Vod, then we were able to experience the type of Melech that will be then. The type of revelation that will be then. How everything is revealed. How the greatest levels of Hashem that are beyond creation are able to be seen even in nature and even in every detail of creation. So that, that's when we actually said it the first time, Hashem Yimloich La'ilam Vod, talking about Mashiach. Which is why the actual word Az Yashir is in the future. Is in the future tense. Mm-hmm. The actual word az yashir, Chazal say, he should have said az shar. shar, shar right. It should have said, then he sang. In Hebrew, past tense would be shar. Then the Jews sang. But az yashir is then they will sing. So the Gemara says, mikan letchias hamesim min ha The source, or one of the sources of the concept of tchias hamesim, that there will be a future time and a future song. And Moshe Rabbeinu will be there and we'll sing together. That's Tchiyas HaMesim. That was in Az Yashar. Because that was a moment of extreme clarity. Everything concealed opened up. All everything, you said, you said about how open your eyes are. Then all of our eyes were wide open. There was nothing hidden. So Hashem's glory itself was revealed within creation. Hashem Yimlech La'ilam Vaid. So when we start davening, we, we already right away say that's the game plan. We're, that's where we're headed. We know where we stand today. We know where we're coming from and we know where we're headed. And that's Hashem Melech, the King Hashem, the way he's a king today, over us in the world as we know it. Hashem Malach, Hashem is exalted beyond creation and beyond the world, even before creation. Hashem Yimlech, there will come a time when Hashem himself will be revealed in every aspect of creation. We saw that by Kriyas Yamsuf. We saw that again in a different way by Matan Torah. We'll talk about it at a different time in Mirsa Hashem. But ultimately that will be for everyone and for always once Mashiach comes. That's as far as that. That's said twice. Yeah. Repeated twice, based upon yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And we say, we say this again, right? For, yeah, there's certain points of Dominic that are very powerful statements and we repeat it a second time as well. Right? right. And then we go on to say that this revelation will be even for the nations of the earth. That, 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 that revelation won't only be for Klal Yisrael, but that everyone, there will be the, the, um, the revelation of godliness will be such that all, <coughs> excuse me, that all mankind will be able to have an appreciation in how Hashem's, Hashem's um, pervasive nature of everything in this world. Did you say it also Rosh Hashanah time? I remember Hashanah well, Rosh Hashanah, yeah, Rosh Hashanah is all about Malchus. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the primary theme of Rosh Hashanah is about Malchus, and definitely this passage is mentioned a number of times throughout Rosh Hashanah. Right. Okay, let's move on to the next paragraph. Can I ask one question first? You may. What, 
Okay, it says by Yom Havu Yehashem Echosh Malachar. Let's talk about Yimosa Mashiach. Right. Right. Hoshiyenu Hashem Alekeinu. Once we mention Mashiach, we ask for the salvation. Hashem should bring us that salvation. The Kabseinu Menagoyim should gather us in from amongst the nations. Lahoydes Lashem Kashacha. We should be able to properly praise Him. Lashabeach Misulasacha to you know different forms of praise, etc. I want to talk about one idea over here, a very beautiful idea. Vikabseinu min hagoyim. We ask Hashem to gather us from amongst the nations of the world. On a simple level, on a literal level, obviously means exactly what it sounds like. That we are scattered in all the nations of the world, we're all over the place, and Hashem will gather us in. That's called kibbutz goliath. Excuse me, one of the basic promises of the redemption is that Hashem will gather us and bring us back to Eretz Yisrael. And that's the, the request, the tefillah, the kabtseinu menagoyim, to gather us in from amongst the nations. However, Hasidus gives a different, or not different, but a, a deeper interpretation into that tefillah as well. Where we ask to be gathered from amongst the nations to be able to praise Hashem. And we'll see how it fits so beautifully to be at the beginning of the Avani. It says like this, just like there's Klal Yisrael, and we're scattered. We're in every corner of the globe, as we know. Every person has a neshama. And our neshama is also scattered. Where is our neshama scattered? In all the multitude of different things that we're involved with. And that we do. Right? Whatever we do, whatever we get involved with, whatever it is, there's a little piece of ourselves that's there. Right? Whatever. If it's, whether it's work, or it's leisure, or it's family, or it's eating, or whatever it is, when I do something, I invest part of myself there. Right? And what happens all too often when we're trying to do something, or we're trying to be somewhere, and really we realize that we're somewhere else. What does it mean we're somewhere else? That an hour ago I was, I don't know, Right, the example, that was in a meeting. So even though now I'm sitting here, but really, I, I, some, I realize that I'm not here, I'm there. You're living in the past? <coughs> well, I'm, living, I'm doing scattered. something, I'm scattered, <coughs> right? I'm not focused on what I'm doing because the part of me that was there is still there. That is so interesting. And everyone, I think, experiences this. Because, because the only way you wouldn't experience this is if you're always doing one thing. If you're always only doing one thing, then you have nowhere else to be. But, but if you're doing many things, and all of us are doing many things, because Baruch Hashem we're doing many things, it's a good thing that we're doing many things. So really what happens is that a part of our neshama is there, and a part of our neshama is there, and a part of our neshama is in spiritual places, and a part is in physical places, and a part is, we're all over the place. And when it comes to try to do something in a focused way, <laughs> hello, you know, Shalom Aleichem, come here. We're trying to talk to you, right? And, but I'm not here, I'm there and there and there and there. I'm getting a headache from all the places I'm in. Why do you say the neshama? I always think your mind wanders. You know, like you're driving to work, but you're thinking about something else. Or let's say we're here, we just had something happen before. Your mind is wandering. Why do you so say the neshama? Why is your mind wandering there? Because you're still involved. Because when you were there, you were involved there. So, see, something, something that you were never involved in, you wouldn't wander back to. And the more you were involved in it, the more you'll find yourself wandering there. 
Because again, when I involved myself there, I was there. So a part of me is invested there. And if it's invested there, so just because I'm here doesn't mean I'm not there. This part of me that's still there. So that part might come to four and this part might come to four. And, and we're constantly really gathering all of ourselves and trying to put ourselves together from so many different places. Now, so part of the times it's just a nuisance because we're trying to focus. And it's so hard to focus because my mind is here, my mind is there. I'm, like, yes, I'm still in the middle of that. I'm in the middle of running. It's like, it's like a computer that's, you know, when you have like six or seven or 12 screens open, everything slows down because I'm open all over the place. I have enough trouble with one screen. <laughs> <laughs> I got a virus on one of my screens and I can't Now, 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 so. It's for mindfulness. The whole, like, you know, people talk about mind being in the yeah. presence, like, forget it. It's, a, you know. That's why you need mindfulness. Oh, yes. Well, what it's you're yeah. doing then is 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 drawing in your neshama. Yeah, that's right. That's a mindfulness place. Now, like, and yeah. that's kibbutz. So um, that's what I'm getting. But one second. So, so, so a lot of a lot of this is just a nuisance. Like it's a nuisance because I'm all over the place. So I can't accomplish anything. I can't get anything done. I can't focus on the work I have to do because I'm thinking about three other jobs. So a lot of it's a nuisance. But it becomes a much greater problem when we're talking about that parts of my neshama might be involved and have gotten involved in areas that are totally not conducive to spirituality. And that's where it becomes not just a nuisance, but it becomes actually a hindrance. A hindrance. Exactly. It doesn't allow me. It doesn't allow me to really get involved in a spiritual experience because... There's part of me that's highly involved in something that's highly unspiritual. And unspiritual and spiritual don't get along so well together. So then it's not just a question of I have too many screens open, I have conflicting screens open. So even though I'm saying, you know what, right now I'm not thinking about that. Not true. It's not so easy to say I'm not there because, again, I've truly invested part of me there. So it's, it's not only about, like you said, you know, my mind is wandering, so I'm just going to... I'm not going to let my mind wander. I'm going to hold my head. It's not about the mind wandering. It's about where my neshama is scattered to. So Hasidah says, when we talk about kibbutz goliyas, that Hashem is going to gather in Kal Yisrael from the four corners of the earth and bring us back to Israel. That's true. Of course that's true. And that's what we're waiting for. That's, like everything, there's the physical angle of it and the spiritual angles of it. The spiritual angle of kibbutz goliyas is gathering in all the parts of our neshama that they shouldn't be lost in different places. To be able to be wholesome and in one place involved in, in, in Hashem. Is that only going to happen when Mashiach comes? In its fullest form. They say there's more Jews now in our Yisrael than there's anywhere else now. Probably. At this point. Most, most probably. Okay. But but in like everything, in its fullest form when Mashiach will come. But as Rabbi told us so many times, everything about Mashiach coming is about me creating that within myself. And I create that within myself and everyone else works on creating that within And together, collectively, that becomes the situation of Kali Yisrael. So here, we're... It's mostly you. Somebody said I heard something that's really not so healthy to multitask. Yeah, I read that. It causes too much stress. There's a there's a physical, there's a spiritually physical reason for it. And that is it on a show. Isn't also the keep a scholar part of the thing? We have to work that. Let me finish. I think if I I think when I finish, 
that that will help. Will be Aren't also different sparks? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get we'll get that in a moment. We'll get that in a moment. So, but before that, let me just finish this at thought. So we're beginning to daven. When we're beginning to daven, that's a very important time to think about kibbutz Goliath on an internal level, to try to close all those screens and to be able to focus on what I'm doing and to be able to go away from everything else, even if it's just for a little bit, and to focus and to get involved, again, even if it'll be for 10 minutes or 50, whatever it is, but for those minutes that I should talk to be here and try to, to, to move away from there. Now, of course, that's going to be not perfect, because Mashiach is not here, because I didn't do, I didn't work, you know, Avoida for years to be able to perfect myself, but at least in a small way, to gather myself. You know, there was a, um, the Rebbe Rashab, is the fifth Rebbe. What time is it? It's 8.30. No, really. No, it's 9.28. 9.28? 9.28. 9.28. Okay. So, listen. The, <laughs> He's like, well, you have one minute left. <laughs> <laughs> Talk fast. Okay, so so the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Rebbe. No, 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 no I take that back. The Tzemach Tzedek. Okay, I'm sorry. The Tzemach Tzedek, the third Rebbe, has seven sons. Okay? The youngest of which became his successor. That was the Rebbe Maharash whose birthday we celebrated this week, the second of year. Okay? That was the Rebbe Maharash. The Rebbe Maharash is the brother that was right above him. His name was Yosef Yitzchak. Okay? He was the sixth son of the, of the Samach Sadiq. His name was Yosef Yitzchak. Now, I, I hate to be confusing, but his daughter married the Rebbe Rashab. The fifth Rebbe. Okay? Married his niece? Exactly. Which happened a lot in Rebbe families. But that's not important to this story. This Rebbe Yosef Yitzchak married the daughter of a great tzaddik, of a different Rebbe, not Chabad, named Rebbe, I think his name was Rebbe Yaakov Yisrael or Yaakov Yosef of the city Cherkas. It was a great, great tzaddik. Anyways, so this son of the Tzemach tzaddik married this tzaddik's daughter. And the tzaddik asked him, he says, before you get married, he says, I want to know, do you daven with a minion? Because he knew that some chassidim daven a long time, for hours, and they think, and he wanted that his son-in-law should daven with a minion. It's called tefillah betzibur, he daven with a tefillah. And Rabbi Yitzchak said, yes. So the father-in-law was happy. Okay. Sometime into the Sheva brachas, one time he called for his new son-in-law. So whoever went to find him, he found him in Shul, and it was two, three hours after Davin, and he was still Davin. <laughs> so he came back, he says, your son-in-law, you know, the chassan, he's, he's Davin. He's lost in his Davin. Really? Okay. <laughs> Father-in-law, son-in-law relations starts early, right? So after he came, he says, didn't I ask you if you Davin with a minion? Davin with Tzibur? So the son-in-law says, yes, I try. So he says, but... But I was told that today, it was two hours after the minion finished davening, and you were still davening. It was with a tzibur first, so. So, it could be. So he says, that's not the answer. He says, I'm sorry, I didn't explain myself. I daven, I try to bring together all of my kachas. I try to gather all of the parts of my neshama in my davening. That takes a lot of time. Make him a tzibur. He says, I'm making a tzibur within myself. 
This is a big tzaddik. This is a big tzaddik. And the Rebbe said the story. The Rebbe says, if I bring it, he says, there's so many different meanings to the word tefillah b'tzibor. Ten people together, let's dive. He said he was doing the real tefillah b'tzibor. He was gathering all of the parts of his neshama. Imagine, we dive with our mouth. It's hard enough just to get our mouth and our mind on the same track. He was getting his mouth and his mind and his heart and every part of him involved in that davening. That's tefillah b'tzibor. And that's kabtseinu min hagoyim. That our, our nefesh is so scattered all over the place and we want to try to bring it all together. However, however, and I want to conclude with this. So is it a bad thing that we're involved in so many different things? Is multitasking a bad thing? Like is Hasidus anti being involved in so many things because we're scattered? I feel like it's part of being connected to things that we're kind of planting roots in all the places that we've been to. Good, good. And let me take that one step further. When we are bringing our nefesh together, bring it together with all of the things that it's involved in and bring them all into our davening. It's not about escaping everything and getting into davening. It's about bringing, making our entire day part of our davening. In other words, it's uniting all parts of ourselves. So being scattered is not good because we have to be cohesive, but not cohesive by ignoring everything, cohesive by making everything part of our davening. And that goes back to what we started the class with, that davening is not about escaping the rest of the day. Like there's a whole hectic day and so many things going on, I'm gonna shut my door, I'm gonna lock the door, I'm gonna daven now. The world will remain outside. Then when I go back out the door, the davening will remain inside. If I create that door. The idea is, to be able to ultimately, that all the parts of our day and all the parts of our life are all inspired, led by our davening. And they actually all ultimately help our davening. Ultimately, if I'm, a, if I'm healthy in my Yiddishkeit, so my davening affects the rest of the day, and then I bring the rest of the day back into davening. It's elevated by the davening, the davening leads me tomorrow and makes the day that much better. So it's not as it may have seemed at the beginning, like, oh, oy vey, I'm involved in so many things, I have to forget all of them to daven. It's not that way. It's I'm involved in so many things, I have to now be able to bring it all together, that it should all be in my davening. So that, which doesn't mean that while I'm davening, I'm going through everything I did that day. But it means that whatever I do is not a contradiction to davening. If I daven properly, it helps guide me for tomorrow. And that's the real story of Kibbutz Goliath, of bringing all the parts of our neshama together. Just like, the fact that we went into Golis, we're all over the world, and Mashiach will come and we'll all go back to Eretz Yisrael. So what's the idea? And the world is just going to remain, you know, nothing? The idea, why were we sent to all four corners of the earth? To elevate the world, to, to affect the entire world. And when Mashiach will come, it will be evident how every part of the world, it says the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael will be spread through the entire world when Mashiach will come. So it's not about divorcing the world and we're going to Eretz Yisrael for Mashiach. It's about that finally everything, all the mitzvahs and all the Torah and everything that we did in the four corners of the earth finally comes together when Mashiach comes and it becomes a world of holiness, a world of Kedusha. And in the microcosm, in a person, that's what's going on. I'm involved in a lot of different things and that's my neshama being involved in physical things and in spiritual things and in good things and in holy things and sometimes the things that maybe I shouldn't be there as much. But ultimately, ultimately it's about 
the neshama coming in everywhere, the neshama coming back to davening, and bringing the kedusha into everything that we do all day. And that's the internal message and meaning of vikabtsenu min hagoyim l'shem Just like we say Hashem will gather us from the nations in order to be able to praise His holy name, He gathers my neshama from all the things that my neshama is involved in and brings it all, brings it all together to bring kedusha into my whole life, into everything that I'm involved with. And that all really starts by davening. If I daven correctly and properly, I'm able to make sure that tomorrow all the things that I do are more inspired, are more holy. And then when I daven after that, that all comes together again and I'm inspired to have another day of bringing the kedusha of my neshama into all the different things that I do.